0: Hello, and welcome to the Plus Up podcast brought to you by Media Plus Advisors. I'm Carly Feinstein, one of the partners, and I'm here with my partners, Susan George and Perry Ann Grignan, and I'm going to ask Susan to share with our listeners what we're going to talk about today. Sure. Hi,
1: Carly. I'd be happy to. Um, today, we are going to continue our deep dive into the five keys to maintaining a strong and successful partnership. Um, About a few weeks ago, we did a podcast where we covered um, off all about partnerships and Carly left us with what these five keys to maintain partnerships are and uh, just to recap what they are. Number one, communicate and align on expectations. Number two, scope the agreement and staff the teams on both sides to match the expectations and business goals. Three, mutual trust and transparency. Four, measure success on those shared goals, and five, monitor and govern expectations, ways of working, and the success measures on an ongoing basis. So uh, on our last podcast, we talked about communicate and align on expectations, and today we want to take a deep dive into scope the agreement and staff teams on both sides to match expectations and business goals. And the reason we really want to get into a deep dive of these five keys to partnership successes, you know, we always say partnership is at the heart of everything we do. And it's it's really always the main questions that clients have when they're talking about their agencies. Everything always really comes down to understanding how well their partnerships are working. And, you know, we believe these are um, keys that really can be implemented at any time during a relationship. It should not only be when you're um, looking to renew an agency relationship, getting ready to pitch, a new, pitch, uh, put your agency out to pitch. Th- these conversations should happen on an ongoing basis to really make sure that your agency relationship is as strong as it can be, which is why we wanna spend so much time focusing on it. So with that, Carrie Ann, I will start with you. Um, You know, too often we see that scope documents and templates, they are, we understand that they're done on an annual basis for the most part, but too often we see what happens is they're almost done as a save as on an annual basis. You kind of save as what was done and just make some updates. Why, Why do we think this is a recipe for a disaster?
2: Well, I think first of all is that not too many people like to work with a blank sheet of paper, right? Everybody wants to start with, well, what's been done before? And let me use that as a guide. You know, starting from scratch is hard. Um, so you know, revising something and building upon it, you know, is 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 it's easy. It can be even a little lazy. And you know, the thing is here is that, you know, scoping and staffing isn't just like the usual stuff that you know everyone does and that you apply it, and it needs to be carefully crafted. If you just start with a template of what was done before. I think what happens is that you jump to org charts and staffing. But if you walk away from that a little bit and start with a blank sheet, um, I think you can do one thing and that's put the business goals and the people that activate those at the center of the staffing plan is it, it, put the business goal right at the top of you know, the page so. Let's get back to why it's a bad, you know, recipe, because it, you know, just redoing reflects kind of probably two problems. You know, the first is incrementalism versus innovation. You want to innovate. You just don't want to, like, tweak something. And then I'm thinking about what we hear from Carrie Bruce at Reed Smith, right, is that there are new channels. There is new data rights. There is new transparency and ownership issues and how are they going to be managed by that staff and um, you know in the scope. You know when you talk about some of these new areas, especially like data ownership and how that's you know needs to be managed within your your, your scope. You know, do you have staffers on both sides like who is responsible for that? Um, you know that has to be you know reflected, but. You can't go into these things without a roadmap or guidance. So what we would recommend, you know, what we've seen be successful is to have, you know, a comprehensive checklist to say, okay, you know, is it covering um, staffing management, data rights, billing and money flow issues, right? Um, Transparency, all the facets of a relationship on both sides. Um, I think, you know, clients can really... You know, take the lead here. You know, staffing and um, and scope should not be something that's done to a client, you know, within uh, this relationship. It's something that they should uh, not just sit back and wait for the agency to put something on the table, but to really, you know, be, you know, be a partner, and as Kerry Bruce again likes to say, you know, be in the room where it happens. So I think there's a lot there. and um, I think that, If you take it seriously and put your business goals at the center, you know, you'll be really successful at it. So, Carly, we've heard agencies complain, whine, right? And we did it too, you know, like when we were together in our former role, like scope creep, scope creep. It's almost like a verb, right? Not just a description. And boy, it's so easy to fall into scope creep. Um, You know, clients complain that the agency is not staffed to do everything that they would imagine that they need to do. And they think that some of the services that they're seeking should just like come with hiring an agency, right? Boy, you know, it it really is a conundrum. Can you like talk about your experiences
0: here? Sure. I have a lot to say on this. And the first thing is it goes back to what we talked about on our last podcast about communication being the most important thing communication and alignment on expectations because often what is perceived as scope creep is really just a misalignment there of what is actually needed wanted required what has to be done to make get something done so right away if if that communication is solid and strong that can eliminate scope creep because it's just a misperception there's also the fact that and and i have to do as susan said i love a good catchphrase it's all about the benjamins it really comes down to to money often that um you know the fact is agencies make their money from their compensation package and it's most commonly centered around FTE-based fees. So what ends up happening almost all of the time is that the number of FTEs and the fees are then negotiated down, but the clients don't want any or don't understand the trade-offs. They still want everything that they're assuming they should get expecting. So they're right off the bat. It's just not staffed for success. And I mean success as it relates to meeting client demands, service expectations, and most importantly, to uh, achieve business objectives. And this is something that is both the agencies and the client's fault. You can't just blame one. You know, we talked about the fact that agencies, we talk about it probably every single time we talk, that agencies have talent issues. And there's a swinging door, and what ends up happening is everybody is such you know chasing the the task list that they don't even know what scope is sometimes and what the expectations are. So they're just assuming it's scope creep because maybe it's something they didn't have to do on their last client at their last agency um, or it's just something they've never been asked for before. so because, guess what? New things happen all the time, and that's not going to be in scope. You have to be prepared for the evolving industry. And then clients are to blame because they nickel and dime and don't pay for what they actually need. Again, this is a this a, is a generalization that I'm making on both sides, but there are generalizations that are made from our experience, and we see it all the time. And you know, clients are also not always communicating what is truly needed so there's a lot of effort and time that's wasted by the agency i'm going to give you an example our listeners an example you already know it because you lived it with me of a client we recently worked with who was moaning about the um, agency's staffing and fees being just not right and she said I don't need a 90 page deck. They're wasting time. I would rather they give me a five page deck and then just spend that time optimizing my plan. And what did we say to, to her? We said, have you told them that? Do they know that? Uh, no, I just assume that they know, but you can't. We talk about this again every every time we talk, you can't assume. So Scope creep, in summary, scope creep is often a misperception, and it's something that can be fixed through communication and through staffing properly aligning to to goals and business objectives. So now I'm going to ask Susan, there's got to be a way to correct this right cuz if not it's just the old you know insanity definition that expecting different results without making any changes so i know we've talked about this a lot we have some thoughts on this can you share with our listeners
1: sure and i think it comes down to to some of the things you were saying about scope creep the two things i just kind of wrote down as you were talking were um you know the misalignment but also the evolving industry and those two kind of things go hand in hand um so so really it does come down to really having some honest conversations about what expectations are and and doing some of those regular check-ins because there is potentially going to be a misalignment and a scope creep But I I think if there's anything the past year and a half has shown us, and that's going to continue, is there is an evolving change going on in the industry, the types of media channels you're running in, where your spend is going to, the types of people you need to understand all of that activity, and that's going to be your data people, your analytics people, um, in addition to your implementation people of your traditional media, your traditional strategic planners. Um, So so as all of those things evolve, it's very important to have conversations on a regular basis to make sure that you understand what work is happening, how you can continuously look at eliminating no and low value work, because, you know, we are kind of talking Talking, there's a one way to do something. That's a really hard way to do it, which is train all your agencies to be omni-channel people, and then that gets rid of the um, the specialty folks who, you know, add a lot of FTEs. And and, but at this, I don't know that that's really necessarily the way to go when you're living in an evolving um, industry. So you you want to have specialists around, but you want to have someone around who understands a really clear picture what all of those different groups are doing, where there's work that's being done that just is being done to get done, where you can tap, you know, turn off your, your traditional linear TV folks and maybe pull up your digital team. Um, so, so I think really having... Um, really clear expectations and having someone on both the client and the agency team who knows enough about what all the teams are doing and can have that honest conversation. We understand that someone in that role on the agency side, you know, one of their goals is going to be to, to organically increase business with that client, but they have to be able to take a step back and really think about what are ways you can, um, understand where there are new ways of working, ways to reduce low value work. Um, and, and, you know, some of this comes into that conversation we had a couple times now about the digital FTEs, right? That, that's kind of where it's always hard to, you You want people on the agency always there coming up with better ways of working so you can kind of reduce people time and put them on, you've got to get paid for somehow, Um But uh, that's really, you know, it's all about making sure you're crystal clear with what those expectations are and and being able to have very hard conversations about um, what work really needs to be done. Because once you solve it this year, the industry is going to continue to evolve next year. And it's probably going to continue to evolve halfway through your SOW and something new is going to come up and you're going to need to be able to jump on top of that. So, you know, Perry ann in our previous world, we were trained to do organizational mapping. Can you share a little bit about what this is um, for our listeners who are maybe not familiar with the concept and how it can help in the situation?
2: Yes. First time that we were asked to do this, I remember we were working on, on a gigantic client, West Coast tech, um, you know, firm company. And some, you know, you know one of the account leads said, "You know do you, have you done organizational mapping?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you know we we know who who does what. You know we know who our 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 client is. We know who our buyer and end user is. And boy, you if you do it the Accenture way, which was you know very um, you know thorough and comprehensive, um, you learn that you know through you know a mapping process, you can learn more. How is it different? Well, first of all, it recognizes a couple things. One is jobs are different than roles, right, at at client companies. You might have a job description, but the role that that person or team is actually playing could be very different. You know, number two is that there's no such thing as like a singular direct report anymore. You know, people in these roles, you know, they, they might, you know, be interacting and owe deliverables to you know multiple people. Um you know I think you know the next thing that you learn very quickly is and I know this from being on the client side congratulations you're a client guess what you have clients. And so you owe things to people internally and you owe them deliverables and it could be that you're sitting in a role like let's take you know I had a media role. You know, you've got brand people or product teams and you owe them deliverable of what ultimately the agency is actually doing and producing so i think that you know organizational mapping um goes into the detail of defining internally at a client how is their role different than their job who are their multiple direct reports who are their you know internal clients you know and you know how does that organization you know react and really you know approve things You know, I think, too, is that um, it's a great way for agencies and, you know, vendors to understand how do their services align to the internal organization? How does it actually infiltrate that and make that client do better work? And then secondly, I think it's a great way. What did Carly just say, you know, it can be a revolving door, you know, kind of a situation. You know, people leave, move on. And then they go out on leave and sabbaticals and, you know, take like temporary positions. It's a great way to to keep track of um, who's doing what and how, you know, frequently uh, it's changing. So, you know, a really good practice. And if you think you're doing it, you're you know, you're probably not doing it in a real comprehensive manner that you could so carly uh i got
0: i just want to add something to that before before we go to our next question which you know as it relates to agencies and clients scoping and staffing properly it's so important to do the mapping because we can't deny it you may not agree with me but i think you will there's a lot of egos involved in business. And uh, some a CEO wants to be talking to somebody who is their equal. Uh, you know, a CMO doesn't want to talk to an assistant media planner. And because, again, going back to that revolving door and, and just staffing issues on the agency side, sometimes the appropriate person is not put in front of their match. And it's, it should be taken into consideration because there have been countless times during a pitch where a client has said to us at my last agency, I never saw any of the executives. They never, they never called me. They came to the pitch meeting. That was it. And then I never saw them again. Didn't even get a Christmas card from them. So the, the, and my response always is, well, did did you say anything as you've, as everyone knows by now, that's always my response. Like did they can't read minds, but shame on them. Yes, of course. But also ha, has, did you request it? Did you st- make sure there was a percentage of the data and analytics leadership, for example, on your staffing plan, because that's something you want and require for your business because you want to know the latest trends, you want to know what other people are doing, that it goes back to number one and number two that we're talking about here, communication and staffing properly to meet your needs.
2: I do remember that Christmas card story. <laughs> um, I, I can't remember who the client was because I knew that you two worked on it, but I remember that and it was like emblematic mm-hmm. of the frustration. That was around those two organizations. So.
1: Right, because it was probably the least important thing of everything, but the thing that just like stuck in and just burned that client. Like, I didn't even get a Christmas card. That's how bad it's gotten. Money. <laughs> but the funny thing, Perianne, was you were talking, um, you know, it, we uh, know a lot of people who are always sharing out uh, jobs on LinkedIn as, you know, the job market's been crazy and stuff over the past 18 months with COVID. One thing I always look at whenever I'm looking at jobs, and I notice this more on, always on client side, a lot more on agencies uh, side, comfortable navigating a highly matrixed organization. That's uh, exactly what uh, you're talking about with uh, being a client, having clients. That's what everyone's got to do at this point.
2: Yeah, these organizations are very wide, very flat. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you have a successful client side career, it's really, it isn't about how smart you are. It's really about building those internal um, relationships to actually make you know put fuel in the tank to make your you know initiatives actually go. Um, but you know we're talking about you can't make anything go if you if you're touching you know media or audience management without having you know a great agency relationship. And so now let's talk about fees a little bit. So, Carly, whenever we've managed pitches and, you know, um, you know, currently or in our past, it's always been interesting to us, and we could get a little frustrated where client teams could get like overly focused on the amount of money that was being spent on a fee. So their media budget could be two hundred and fifty million dollars, and the agency fee was, Okay, somewhere between like you know eight million and a and twelve million, um, and they would really be focused on that number, the fee number, which was so much smaller than like the big you know media spend was. So, what are your thoughts on this, and how to how to get clients to to think about it more broadly?
0: So, I think this goes back to the image problems that we've talked about that that agencies have, that clients are assuming that agencies are taking advantage of them. And there's also the fact that fees are something they feel they can control while media costs are something they don't. Um, I think it also goes back to during the pitch process, which is where you 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 mentioned we do see this a lot. It's such an intensive and uh, exhausting process and staffing and fees comes at the end. And then now they're at such a rush to close everything up and get things moving and get things started that they're rushing at the wrong time because that is really when as we've said probably five times on this podcast alone, you got to get the scoping and staffing right in order for the relationship to be successful. Um, but I do want to go back to your um, example because I, of of that you just said when you asked me this question, because I think there really is a loss of perspective often. And probably, again, going back to control and image and all of that, but you know let's say they spend 250 million i'm going to use your example and the fee is let's make it 10 somewhere in the middle of your range they are clients are, want to get that 10 down to 9 instead of get it up to 12 in order to get the A team get everything they need yet on top of this again very often almost always in the US at least another part of the pitch is is guaranteed media savings. So if they're spending $250 million and they're getting a guarantee of at least 10% savings, that's $25 million. Why are you so obsessed with the $2 million and the fee to have the appropriate team to help you get your, the staff you need to meet your service needs, your expectations, and your business objectives? So my recommendation is probably too provocative, but It's to me sounds very reasonable and realistic, which is why can't agencies be given permission to reinvest some of their media savings to staff properly? Why not? What do you guys think about that?
2: I think that's like super innovative. I do. And it might even be that – It could be let's test a new channel. Let's pilot a program Mm -hmm. like it doesn't have to be something that's like super huge or is going to get people like crazy, you know, in um, in some kind of like, you know, procurement oriented, um, you know, capital projects, you know, approval process. Um, But boy, I think that's a cool idea.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think, you know, um. As Perry was saying, like when you think about it in a typical procurement type way, like I think people have to be comfortable with being open to a new way of thinking, right? And um, I think that goes goes for all the change that we're we're talking about. But this is, you know, you you know you're going to save x amount. What if what if having this, you know you know, take a little bit over here, put it over here, and and what if it's then even better than what you're expecting and you get those savings? For a longer period of time, I think I think it's a really interesting idea, um, and and you know, clients should hopefully be open to thinking of new ways to get because it's a huge investment. Like get the most out of it, you know. So I like it.
2: Yeah, I you know I'm gonna do a little bit of a wrap up here, but I think we've got some really innovative ideas. And when we think about well, you know, the overarching idea is that the keys to maintaining. Uh, strong and successful partnerships, you know, have a lot in there. And, you know, what we talked about today was scope the agreement and staff the teams on both sides to match both your expectations and your goals. Be in the room where it happens. Think ahead, innovate, um, maybe, you know, start with a blank sheet of paper, um, but have a checklist next to you. And, you know, also like, think about the entire media spend. And how you can like innovate around that um, very cool stuff we look forward to our next podcast this is media plus advisors with the pod plus a podcast thank you very much